Shall we begin? Secondhand high. <laughs> Secondhand high. One, two, three. Howdy and hello, and welcome to the show. I'm your secondhand high host, Sweeney, and I'm tickled pink tonight to have with me as my very first guest, the one, the only, that's as close to a drum roll as you get, Arthur Sweeney Lawson. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for agreeing to do this, babe, and making the long journey all the way from the couch to be here tonight. It's about 11.30 p.m. on Friday, July 9th of 2021. Uh, It's late, but when you have an infant, you take your moments when you can get them, right? Most definitely. (laughs) So as I explained in my inaugural podcast, my plan is to bring folks from all different walks of life on to tell stories of when they felt inspired, intrigued, or impacted by the good deeds of another. But before we dive in, I'm going to have Arthur tell you a little bit about himself. After all, every good tale has a backstory and past is prologue. So besides the fact that we know you have a kick-ass wife, what else can you tell us about you? Well, thank you for having me on the show. Of course, of course. I am honored that I'm your first guest. As you should be. And I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that we live together. Not at all. (laughs) If Tank could talk, maybe he would have been the first guest. Tank the dog. Anyway, well, why don't you tell us, start off with your background. Perfect. I also just want to mention I have not only a kick-ass wife, but a kick-ass daughter as well. A plug for Evelyn. Yes, thank you for that. (laughs) She's our second guest. (laughs) Future guest. Yes. Uh, So I grew up primarily in the Bay Area, town called Morgan Hill. A small-ish town. I guess it depends on where you grew up. And uh, semi-rural, but not too much. Really pretty. Yeah, very... Very nice. We live somewhere where it's not as pretty. (laughs) It's a different kind of beauty in Arizona. (laughs) Yes. The whole ugly style of beauty. Um, You chose to move here. (laughs) I did, actually. Uh, So I lived in the Bay Area for approximately 20 of my 25 years of life. And then I moved out here uh, for a couple reasons, mostly because the Bay Area is really expensive. But at the time, I was working as a cook. I went to culinary school, and my boss offered me a higher position uh, to come over and work at ASU, Sun Devil Stadium, cooking for the football team and other sports teams and cooking for all their games. That's how he tried to win my heart initially, actually. He bragged in his profile that he was a chef. ASU chef, I think was your name, with some numbers after it. Oh, 03. Oh, 03, great. <laughs> so, yes, I remember being intrigued by that, but I figured if he can cook for hundreds of men, he can surely cook for me. Turns out I didn't have to cook for her as much as I did having to get her Mexican food. Yeah, well, I don't care where the food comes from as long as as long as I get it. That's what I care about. Anyway, so you were 25 when you moved here, right? You're not 25 now. No, I am older than that. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Just in case that 03 is the year I graduated high school. So that was a while ago. Secondhand high school. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, 
moved here for a better opportunity uh, and to get out of California. I love California, just except I can't afford to live out there. And, you know, worked my way up to ranks. Meanwhile, I met and fell in love with a girl. She's your host. <laughs> and we uh, eventually got married and are enjoying our time in Arizona. My father was an engineer. My mother was a nurse. I am currently... But they're retired now, right? They are very retired. And they're very happy to be retired. They are very happy. (laughs) It's that thing where you wake up and you're like, I don't have anything to do today with a big smile on your face. (laughs) Anyway, I'm a credit analyst for a mortgage company. I help people raise their credit scores to help them qualify for a mortgage. And we're really busy right now because everyone wants to buy a home. We did. <laughs> yes, we, we did. We also wanted to buy a home. <laughs> All right. So what would be then your number one tip for anybody who wants a mortgage? If you had to give a freebie piece of advice. If you can, and as much as you can, pay your bills on time, including all credit cards, installment loans, mortgages, anything such as that. If you know you're going to miss a payment or you can't come up with it as an emergency, call them and see if you can work something out. Uh, Call them, I mean the creditors of the loan or bill that you cannot make a payment on. Sometimes they'll work with you to make it a smaller payment while still making you uh, stay current. Awesome. Well, see, you get free advice along with feel-good stories. So so win-win all around. Anyway, continue, continue. I am actually currently in school uh, to become a web developer. One day I hope to have a job in the industry. And it turns out having a full-time job, going to school, and having a full-time daughter, (laughs) it's a lot of work. Who knew? Ooh, go ahead and talk about the website you made for Mona, because that was like your first official one. So that's kind of exciting. So my aunt is a painter, and she's great. Yeah, and we actually have some of her art hanging in our ba- our guest bathroom right now. <laughs> yeah, but she's a really good painter, and she asked me to create an online website, mostly to show off her items, and so if people wanted to buy them from her, she would just go to their house and drop the painting off. It was supposed to be something of more of a local, you know, her friends could see all of her paintings that she's working on or has worked on before. And, uh, yeah, I think the site looks pretty good. It's called Insightful Arts, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was just impressed because, like, when you would show it to me, I feel like, oh, look, there's parts of her art as part of the website. I know Jack diddly squat about HTML and Java and all that stuff. Like, you say it's like a foreign language, which seems to be pretty accurate. Yeah, it can be. Because <laughs> I definitely can't speak it. I can't speak computer. Anyway, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No problem. I'm also a huge nerd. Uh, I love video games, and particularly a card game called Magic the Gathering. (sighs) (laughs) It's like the original Pokemon, if you don't know. Although Magic's pretty popular, so I'm pretty sure you've heard of it. Yeah, it's. I know that it involves mana and swamps and islands and... Mountains and plains, and what am I missing? Did you say forests? No, I didn't. Boo! (laughs) Anyway, that's how magic is played by turning cards around, as far as I can tell, and 
casting spells on each other. <laughs> yes, that's exactly how you play it. <laughs> anyway, I only know the I only know that much because I bought him a shirt for his birthday one year that said like mountains and forests and swamps and plains. So he's the coolest dad walking out in the mall or <laughs> the grocery store. <laughs> Anyway, any any other Arthurisms that we should know before we launch into your uh, other story? I was a dad before I was actually a dad. Meaning? I just, if you could think of something that your dad would do, I would probably do it. That's right. You actually, <laughs> he wore polos before it was cool, meaning when it wasn't cool, <laughs> he's been wearing polos forever and telling dad jokes. Actually, you have a, for Father's Day, we got you a tearaway calendar. I think you should read us your dadism on your tearaway calendar. Sweeney can confirm I've been saying this before I got the dad calendar. But dads love pointing a stud finder at themselves and saying, found it. Boo. <laughs> Didn't you say like your dad says that too? Oh, yeah. Or has said it? I'm sure it's one of those things. Ever since the stud finder was invented... The first dad to use one was like, huh. reminds, <laughs> I got a joke. <laughs> it, it reminds me of that book, like, if you give a mouse a cookie, it's like, if you give a man a stud finder. Anyway, all right. Well, without further ado, why don't you tell us a time when you experienced a secondhand high? My secondhand high moment is when my aunt, Pat, helped some refugees that came over as a result of the Bosnian War. So is your aunt, Pat, on your mom or your dad's side for context? She is on my dad's side. Okay. And uh, I'm a little embarrassed to admit, but I can't say I'm terribly familiar with the Bosnian War. History has failed me, or I failed history. So can you fill us in a little bit on the details? Sure. In 1992, uh, there was war in uh, the former Yugoslavia, which has now been broken up into six or seven different countries. But basically... Uh, the Serbians wanted it to be a more united ethnic group, and they were fighting to expel and, in some cases, uh, get rid of the Bosnians and uh, Croatians living there. And so there were people who became refugees and fled to the United States, amongst other countries, to, you know, kind of protect and preserve their lives and families? Yes. Eventually, uh, the UN did uh, involve themselves, I think, in 1995. But after that, there was a ton of displaced people on both sides from various parts of the country. And uh, two separate families actually came over here uh, to the United States and was helped by my Aunt Pat. And where did your Aunt Pat live? So where were they? She lived in L.A. area. I don't know if anyone ever grew up in LA but there's like five different areas and they're all called LA unless you live in LA then it's like upland but upland LA I guess <laughs> okay and so do you know what like kind of the impetus for her doing that was like what inspired her to take these families in or how she heard about them she was just a nice person um i mean bosnians are normally muslim and i don't even know if my aunt was religious, but she was definitely not Muslim, so it had nothing to do with, uh, like, the same shared religion or anything like that. I just think she was a nice person, saw this tragedy that was happening on the other side of the world, and did her part to help out as she could. 
So did you end up meeting these families ever when you were, do you know how old you were like when this was going on? I did. I don't remember exactly when they came over, but I would have been no more than 10 when I would have met them. Okay. And uh, they didn't speak any English. You know, they're coming over with nothing and, you know, no money, no, they had their own jobs and skills and talents, but you can't transfer it over if you can't speak the language or anything like that. So my aunt and uncle helped them by, you know, giving them money, making sure they had enough food and clothes and a place to live, and eventually helped them to get jobs to uh, become more stable in this country. Do you know what ended up happening to them? Are they still in this country? Did they ever return to, I guess, one of the seven countries? It's not Yugoslavia anymore. As far as I know, they are still in this country. Okay. So what's your experience with them like? You couldn't really communicate, but like, what was it like to kind of meet them and kind of, you know, they have a very different background than you do. So they were nice. I mean, they were obviously somewhat uncomfortable between not speaking the language, living in an area that you have no idea of anything, our customs, our money, our anything. And you know, you could tell that especially the younger kids were deeply traumatized by, you know, they would wince and you know, cower whenever they hear a plane go by or any loud noises such as that. And, you know, you have to imagine that being two to three years old and, you know, associating planes with bombs and all that stuff really can uh, hurt a child. Yeah, it's that's really sad and those are the kind of things i hate thinking about too much in depth because it's just you know it the 90s you know a couple decades ago but at the same time you know stuff like that still happens nowadays so it's even more important it feels like now than ever to have you know more ant paths out there in the world so why do you think it is that after all this time i mean you were pretty young then you were 10 um but you still remember it all these years later. What do you think it is about this particular story that stuck with you? And why do you think it inspired you so much? I think it's mostly just the fact that, you know, there was no relation uh, between the two groups of families. There was no, nothing tying them to us. And yet, you know, my aunt went out of her way to not only provide uh, resources, but also her time and her caring to help these people who've been such through such a traumatic experience where it could easily be, you know, just completely different. Yeah. I think about that saying where they say most of us are closer to being out on the street than we ever are to being millionaires. So, you know, whether they're from this, whether people who are in difficult circumstances are from this country or not, you know, we probably have more in common with them than we realize. So I think, you know, that kind of compassion that your aunt extended, a lot of the times I see that in you just because whenever you see someone struggling, you're very quick to go and help them. Um, always the first to try to get the door for somebody or if somebody is struggling under like a heavy load that they're carrying a package or something, you'll offer to you know, help them even if it's inconvenient to you. So it's interesting to see how some of those things that are, you know, we don't, like when you were 10, I'm sure you weren't thinking, wow, my aunt's a hero or my aunt is, someday I'm going to be talking about this story and like, I'm going to 
change my world perspective based on what she did. And yet, like, in small micro ways that you probably didn't even think about, it seems like it may have influenced you and affected you and made you want to, you know, kind of follow her example to a degree. I might be reaching there, but (laughs) that's kind of, that's just kind of what I see based off of the story and just what I know about you personally. So yeah, every once in a while, I mean, I constantly remember it, but sometimes I'll actually sit down and think about it and, you know, just think on maybe what I could be doing or at least thinking to help other people. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a grand gesture to be impactful, but in your aunt's case, it was really a grand gesture because a lot of times, like, (laughs) I know people and I can't say I blame them because (laughs) sometimes having guests can be a little trying, but, you know, there are people who are like, well, you've been in my house an hour. Are you ready to go yet? And it sounds like they, do you know how long they were staying with your aunt? Oh, I don't know. They, they stayed quite a while though. Okay. Yeah, and so some people get frustrated after a few days of having, like, family or guests over. And so to have people who can't even speak uh, the same language as you and communicate their needs and to have to, like, be sensitive to some of those triggers and traumas you mentioned, it's like, I could see why that would be something you just, you know, think about and would be inspired by. So I think that's a really great way to start off the interview portion of this podcast just because... It's, I think that's a really impactful story. And I know that you said your aunt Pat is no longer with us, correct? Uh, yeah, she did die of uh, breast cancer a while back. Yeah, that's really sad because I would have liked to have met her. And I'm sure she has other really neat experiences and stories, um, you know, from her, from her life too. But uh, I'm glad a piece of her gets to live on and carry on through her story through you. And I appreciate you joining me tonight. It's way too damn late for us to still be trying to record anything right now. But are there any final words you'd like to share with everyone? No, if you need me, I'll be in the green room. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this second episode of Secondhand High. It was a pleasure. Do you have a story that gave you a contact high? I want to hear about it. You can contact me on the Secondhand High Facebook page or email me at secondhandhigh.omai at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us and be well, do good. Oh, yeah.